the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Your Discipleship Coach with Michael Smith. Each week, Michael uses his coaching expertise to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Michael is a professional certified leadership, business, and life coach, serving as president of Professional Coach University, executive director of New Normal Coaching, and the lead pastor at Northwest Church. To learn more, visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. Partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Here's Michael. Thank you for tuning in to Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. I'm your host, Michael Smith, here to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. And hey, if this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here, and maybe you're a faithful listener and listening almost every single week. I'm so glad that you've made this show part of your own growth and development. This show kicks off a new mini-series that focuses on the outward spiritual discipline. So today, and we're going to look at two of the outward spiritual disciplines. We're going to look at simplicity in the front end of the show. And in the second half of the show, we're going to look at the discipline of solitude. So we're looking at these outward spiritual disciplines. And you might recall, I've talked uh, about the inward spiritual disciplines in a previous mini-series. And I'm doing the same thing with this mini-series as I did with that one. We're focusing on a book that was written by Richard Foster called Celebration of Discipline. In this mini-series, we're going to look at four outward disciplines, the disciplines of simplicity and solitude. In our episode number two of this mini-series, we'll look at submission— And then we'll wrap it up looking at the discipline of service. So you have the roadmap. I want to remind us and just kind of help us understand that the spiritual disciplines that we rehearse in our life are there to help strengthen our relationship with God. And they do this in two ways. They both express our relationship to God. So we practice, for example, the discipline of simplicity to express our pursuit of God but also to expand our pursuit of God. So it expresses our pursuit, but it also expands. So this idea of simplicity, if I were to ask you to have listed uh, spiritual disciplines, many people may not have listed the discipline of simplicity. So what is the discipline of simplicity? Is it a spiritual discipline? Is simplicity just living a simple life? I mean, if we wanted to say, hey, let's forget education, let's forget advancing in our job, let's go extreme, let's sell everything we have, don't own a house, and just live super simply. Is that what we're talking about? What does the discipline of simplicity mean? What is it? What Thinking about the discipline of simplicity, what is it not? Is it really a spiritual discipline? And here's what I want to say today as we talk about this discipline of simplicity that it has everything to do with two things. I I think it has to do with your desire. So what is it that you want? 
and your mindset. Where are you setting your mind on things? What, what do you value? What is of worth? So this includes the things that we value. And so we ask the questions when I think about simplicity, do we have a, a biblical worldview? Or can I ask it like this? Do we want what God wants? Do you want to feel good and feel important and successful because you accumulate things? Or is there another way? When I think about the discipline of simplicity, I go to a verse that I, I love this verse from 1 Timothy. It's 1 Timothy 6, 6. And here's what it says. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, I know this is not a math equation, but in my mind, I hear it this way. So listen to this carefully. Godliness plus contentment equals great gain. What I want us to know is this. Great gain plus contentment does not equal godliness. See, the way that we are, are gain in life is through this idea of godliness, but through this idea of contentment, which is fostered through this discipline of simplicity. See, when we think about it like this, simplicity is not being self-sufficient, but Christ sufficient. And this idea of godliness and contentment with great gain, this great gain connects two nouns together, godliness and contentment. See, godliness is, is true Christianity, and it provides the contentment that we need that's appropriate. Uh, Paul writes about this in Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 11, I have learned to be content. So this is something that we must learn to do and practice. It's being simple. Contentment, I would like to describe it this way, is the opposite of the pursuit of wealth. That's the opposite of being greedy. Listen to what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. This idea of being satisfied, all sufficiency with your context, there's something about that that can only be accomplished through the practice of simplicity. You know, the, the opposite of or the enemy of simplicity, I would call is duplicity. That's when you take a deception in everything you say and how you act and and it's being sort of double-minded. You might say one thing, but acting another way. You know, I've heard it uh, been described, you may have heard uh, of, of false humility. Well, there's a false simplicity. It's called duplicity, where we even deceive ourselves that, that we're saying that we're not making life about things that make us happy, but what we do is we pursue things. You know, I used to pastor a church, and I used to get up early. We would we planted a church, and I would make this stop every week. And I would call this my splurge. This one grocery store had a cinnamon fry that was about as big, not quite as an elephant here, right? But I mean, it was a huge cinnamon fry. And I would walk in, and they would freshly dip the top of it in chocolate. And there's something about that splurge that— I just thank Jesus right now for cinnamon fries dipped in chocolate. I mean, you know, but, but it gripped me. But but sometimes things are more serious. And, and the things that drive us are not donuts, right? But things like cars and houses and things and, and, and all of these ideas. And maybe it's not that extravagant, but it's designer jeans and phones and things of that nature. See, the question about simplicity is, are your desires pure or impure? Me personally, 
I don't have a desire for any kind of car. I mean, I think my Civic and a Tesla, like, what's the difference, right? One costs more, one, I don't know, has an engine. I don't know exactly how it works, but... But my battle, I have to be frank with you, is I enjoy Apple products. I, I, I want that AirPod. I want that AirTag. I, w- I want to do those things. Not to be ter- terribly impressive or elaborate, but it's just something that I, I want. And it, it challenges me when I think about this idea of simplicity. Because when I think about what do I want in my heart, what's inside, here's the truth. We're not fooling anybody on the outside. People see who we are. So when I think about simplicity, when I start to want things even in my life more than I want God, I'm struggling to practice simplicity. See, is it godliness and contentment? That's how there is great gain. Sometimes I have godliness, but I'm not as content as I want to be. I want to challenge us to live a little more simply. Because when we want things and we struggle with contentment, what that's called is lust. We lust for things. In the the most pure understanding of lust, it's a strong sexual desire for someone. But in the spirit of what lust is, it's a strong desire for something. The discipline of, of simplicity is let all the things go and let all of your desire be set on God. See, Jesus taught against the idea of materialism. Materialism considers material possessions and physical comfort more important than the things that you would value spiritually. And what Jesus says is keep the main thing, the main thing, focus on me, seek me first. It's not the other things that are bad. It's the impurity of your mind because you're setting your mind on them. So he said this, blessed are the poor, (laughs) the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That idea is a physical poverty, but Poor in spirit means to be faithfully dependent on God. I'm needy. I am poor, so poor I need, but I need God. The idea is not economic destitution, but an understanding that I need to practice what it means to truly need God. You know, it's counterintuitive because culture says, blessed are the rich. Blessed are the people that figure it out on their own. And God said, you're blessed if you just need me. Listen to what First Timothy says. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into snare, many senseless and harmful desires that plunge into ruin and destruction. The choice is ours. Do we want destruction or do we want great gain that comes through godliness and contentment? So back to our author, as we wrap up the front end of the show, here's what Richard Foster says. The central point of the discipline of simplicity is to seek the kingdom of God and the righteousness of that kingdom, to seek it first and know that God will be in control. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. See, we all have needs, but it is not where our attention should be directed. Our intention should not be focused on what we need, but on who we need. And we need the one true God to be interactive in our life. Seek God. This is more important than seeking things. It's truly a matter of trust. It's a matter of the heart. Simplicity in itself can even be idolatry when it takes away from seeking the kingdom. So we struggle with it. Hey, this is a pretty awesome conversation. I want you to hang in here after break and hear from our sponsors. We're going to talk more about outward disciplines. We're going to talk about 
uh, the other discipline of solitude. So keep listening right now. Stay tuned to your discipleship coach as you listen today on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Well, we're back, and thank you so much for staying tuned to Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. If you're listening, I'm your host, Michael Smith, here to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. So today's episode kicks off our mini-series on the outward spiritual disciplines, and we focused already on the idea of simplicity, but I want to get into a new thought, and it's the thought of solitude. You remember the front end of the show, we said things like this, Jesus, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The idea is that that simplicity is a matter of the heart. Remember this one, godliness with contentment is great gain. So with that in mind, I want to link that into our next outward discipline, the discipline of solitude, which we'll cover in this half of the show. You know, many times when people talk about solitude, they talk about silence and solitude. And I want to tell you the difference in one word. So silence means quiet. Solitude means alone. But without silence, there is no solitude. So inner solitude and inner silence are truly inseparable. So Foster, the author of the book that we're looking at, Celebration of Discipline, uh, he writes, uh, opens uh, the chapter on this this discipline of solitude, and he says that Jesus calls us from loneliness to solitude. And I want us to understand what that means. The idea of solitude is not to be lonely. It's to be alone with God. So the idea is to have a solitude and alone time with God. Solitude is more, um, in a lot of ways, of a framework, a state of mind, a way of thinking than just physical aloneness. And and why does silence go with it? Because a big enemy of silence and solitude is our very own tongue. <laughs> I like to say that our tongue is almost like a thermometer that that takes our spiritual temperature. And sometimes when you put your foot in your mouth, you have a fever. <laughs> And so when we practice being alone with God and we practice being quiet before him, we allow him to measure our inner life. So I want to talk about this discipline of solitude, and I don't want to describe it so much as I did like simplicity, but I want to talk about how to practice solitude. This, this is what I want to do in this part of the show. So thinking about the fact that solitude is being alone with God. I want to focus on three key ways that we can practice solitude. And the first way that we practice solitude in our life is by doing so daily. So daily. So many people call the practice of solitude on a daily basis as your devotions or your, you might have heard it called like, called this, your quiet time. See, and, and those would be accurate descriptions, times of quietness that's devoted unto God. And sometimes in that quiet time, you might play some some wonderful, maybe low-volume worship music in the background. Sometimes in your quiet time, you might be in complete silence. But when I, when I use these words, I don't want to assume that we all know what this, this means. So this daily solitude would involve what I would call 
prayerful sitting. It's, it's in a way, if you just sit and you don't focus on anything but God and you just, in a prayerful attitude, maybe talk with him or listen to him. See, prayer and quiet reflection on God's word and then the prayer of just listening. This is what we could do on actually a daily basis. I wonder, as you listen today, what it would be like if you just took 10 minutes a day and you prayerfully sat. I don't even know if there's another way to describe that, but with an attitude of prayer, sit before God. That might use a little of you talking to him or listening to him. But to pull this off, to have this routine of daily quiet, we might need to figure out where to go. For some of us, we go to our living room or our bedroom or an office. For years, I used to have this brown chair in my my basement of a tri-level, and I would sit in this big, comfy brown chair. It was so ugly. Man, my, I held on to it for years before my wife maybe get rid of it. But it was this chair that was a spiritual context for me. Or I enjoy as a pastor, I have an opportunity to walk my sanctuary at the church where I serve and I pray. And, and oftentimes I used to do this. I would walk the parking lot and just kind of pay attention to what was around me. Here's the recommendation is find a place. And, and when you have a place, use visuals. If, if you have a room, put scripture on the wall or pictures or a prayer board. And this might sound interesting, but maybe use smells, light a candle, do something that sets your mind on things. But I would say this in your daily time of being quiet. What I want you to do is, is give yourself permission to vary how you do this. You might emphasize prayer for a season. Months later, you might emphasize reading the Bible, or you might focus for times of journaling or, or on maybe on your posture. Maybe you'll walk or sit or lay or stand or have music, have no music. What I'm saying to you, it's not about the formula. It's about setting a daily time to be with God. You might do this with an accountability group, which is powerful because when you have accountability, that's good, but you get to tell the story to one another. So our quiet times, your devotions, here's what I want you to think about. Think this is about you and God, me and God. The general theme of solitude is you and God. So this is a great time. That's an emphasis here. But I want to look at how to practice solitude on a quarterly basis. Let's say three times a year, four times a year. It's what I call a quarterly withdrawal, where you would take not just a 30 minutes or 60 minutes or 15 minutes, but three or four hours of time uh, several times a year, three or four times a year. And you would say yes to doing things like walking and kneeling and laying or say yes to praying and reading your Bible Say yes to being outside. You could be inside. Here's the key. Schedule this time and keep the schedule. Here's what you would say no to. Your phone. Say no to the internet. Maybe music. No more than one aid. In other words, if you're going to use something to help you with these three or four hours, just use one thing. Don't get lost in curriculum. Get lost with God. And this is a private event. Say no to others. Remember, you and God. What are you doing? You're listening. You're worshiping. You're avoiding. Uh, here's what you get caught here. Uh, you get caught sometimes trying to make a list and trying to dream and trying to brainstorm. This is not about that time. This is not your creative time. This is your intimate time. 
So be be loose, be in the moment. Maybe you can map it out. And I have some suggestions to do that. I can actually uh, give you timeline suggestions for four hours. I have them. Uh, I could share that with you. If this was longer, I would do that. But what I want you to do in your times of a withdrawal, this four hours is debrief. You know, when you ask your kids, how was school today? Or you, you, you talk uh, to someone, how was your date last night? This is what you're asking yourself. How was your time with God? What did you do? What did you say? What story describes this? And start talking about your time with God, your time with God. So the last way that you do this is a daily time, uh, a, a quarterly withdrawal, or lastly, an annual retreat. And this is where you would you would sort of set aside and maybe an overnight, like a 3 p.m. one day to 3 p.m. the next day. I think your retreat is best in a 48-hour time bracket to set aside 48 hours. It could be more, but the idea is to be alone. You could be with a group of people, but if you do that, think simultaneous, not together. So you might simultaneously do this, but it's not about the group. It's about you and God. And in these these times, you might think about how to schedule some of it, but it's times in this, this retreat of complete silence and sitting. You have times where you only listen to God, where you don't say anything. You write down not what you want, but what you hear. There would be times where you would just read his word out loud. You might use a retreat guide to do this, but you're praying, you're observing and here's a great thought as you think about this. When you take an annual retreat, or you could do this for your withdrawal or even in your quiet time, I want to give you something real quick as you debrief this, is I want you to record what you heard. What did God say? I want you to record what you learned, what's new. I want you to record what challenged you, what motivates you. What did God put on your heart? What's a new burden? And then anything else that seems appropriate. Hey, the idea of these outward disciplines is to be closer to God and let it be on the inside and on the outside. And with that, I'll ask if you're interested in learning how to develop these disciplines, especially simplicity and solitude or any discipline. Maybe, maybe this is what you want to do. It's time to hire a coach. You might be curious if you're ready for coaching on any topic, spiritual, personal, or business. Listen, visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. You could take our free coaching readiness questionnaire, and we want to reply to that. We want to partner with you. We want to hear from you. Personally, I would be grateful if you followed this show and shared it on social media. Follow and share this podcast and join the community at yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. I want to thank you for listening today, and I want to thank all of my sponsors for sponsoring the show, and I'll highlight today Chicago Indian Church at chicagoindianchurch.com and Professional Coach University, where you can maximize your potential at Professional Coach University. You can become a certified coach or invest in yourself through personal development opportunities. Just visit professionalcoachuniversity.com. Hey, thanks for listening today to Your Discipleship Coach. I hope this truly helps you advance your spiritual life and you feel supported in your faith. I want you to know that I am for you. And God is for you. And if God is for you, who could be against you? Again, thanks for listening. You've been listening to Your Discipleship Coach on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. 
Thank you for listening today to Your Discipleship Coach with Michael Smith. We hope you feel encouraged to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Be sure to follow Michael and Your Discipleship Coach on social media. You'll find the links at yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. And while you're there, you can click the Give Now button to support this show and to provide scholarships to pastors and Christian leaders to receive coaching. To learn more, visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. That's yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. Partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.